and goblins. Welcome back to another installment of your favorite paranormal podcast. And I trust you're tuning in from someplace warm. Perhaps the comfort of your kitchen as you toil over a hot stove or cozied by a roaring fire with a glass of wine or just warming yourself by the glow of a dashboard as you careened on the highway and breakneck speeds. Regardless of where, when, and how, we are ecstatic that you've chosen to join us this creepy fall evening. And I have one hell of a program slated for you this evening. An episode full of spectral spirits, suspicious species, and strangeness in our skies. And to kick us off, we venture to the Midwest of the United States. The windswept prairies and woodlands of the land of Lincoln, to be precise. Please welcome Abby from Illinois to tonight's program. Hi, this is Abby, and I'm calling from Chicago. I have a story that is actually my mother's story. It is not my story, but it's really unique. I've never heard anything like this, and she's not a person who would make stuff up like this. So... Anyways, I will let you guys all hear it, and maybe you'll have some experience of your own you can share back, and and this can kind of inspire others to share if they've had anything totally bizarre. So this was very recent, about a month ago, and she was sitting in her writing room. She writes, and she has an office that is on an upper story in her home, and her and her husband have a, a nice home. It's out in kind of a private area. They've got land and it's just like a very nice, cozy, bluff country area that they live. So her husband, he's a musician. He was out playing one night and she was alone doing her writing and they have two cats. She said her cats were looking out onto their upper level terrace and they were just doing cat things where they looked like something interesting was going out there, you know, swinging their tails, creeping around, kind of crouching and And uh, she usually just ignores this because cats do as they do, especially when it gets into the evening. But they were really adamantly staring outside. So she decided to go check it out and see, you know, what could possibly be out there. She gets out there and she said her breath got taken away. There was a translucent creature. She said it was probably like 15, 16 inches across wingspan and smaller kind of like a like what you would almost picture a seagull in size she said it had no head it had no defined features it would it basically looked like a translucent i don't know if she got a picture of it and sent it to me it's absolutely wild so i will email this in as well if you guys want to post it online but it, it's crazy it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie it, it's like a translucent bat with wings but there's no head no body no feet no anything it's just completely out of this world and she said that it sat there hovering and she she was like aghast and she took her phone and she she was said she was like fumbling around because she just couldn't believe this was happening and she was able to snap a picture and it was probably about five feet away from her terrace and the terrace is up about 10 feet so she said she snapped this picture it sat there still a little bit more doing its thing and then it just went up, 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 up into like the depth, darkness of the sky and disappeared. She said she had complete and utter goosebumps. She felt 
something from somewhere else, like another dimension almost. But she said she was not scared in any way during it. She was totally calm and comfortable and she felt like this thing, whatever it was, was not menacing or creepy or weird. It was somehow peaceful and giving her peace. She's definitely been going through a lot of stuff in life lately, so I don't know, maybe this was some kind of energy force that popped in to just check on her or see what's going on, but I'm honestly getting arm hair standing on edge thinking of it, and um, I will email this picture in too, because it's just bizarre, and it's unique, and we've spent a ton of time both Googling like translucent flying creatures, all this stuff. There's nothing really online about it, so it's kind of one of these really strange one-off occurrences that was sort of a once-in-a-lifetime wow factor for her. And um, I think it made a very big mark for her. So anyway, I wanted to share that. It just made us both think that there definitely is some other stuff going on out there that we don't know about, and the world is full of mystery. Thank you for all you do. Take care. Well, thank you, Abby. A reminder that not all cryptids need to be massive, hulking beasts. Those little ones can be creepy as well. So let's go ahead and break this one down just a bit. Shall we? Firstly, the photo posted is up in the show notes. And it shows what Abby claims it does. A strange looking shape that resembles a bat. It has a pair of jagged white wings. But aside from a subtle blue glow... The head and body cannot be discerned. The rest of the photo is completely black, suggesting that it was taken, like Abby said, outside in the darkness. So go take a look. It's certainly interesting. Now, as for what this thing is, it's a very good question. And let's start with the obvious. The creature in the photo, aside from the color pattern could easily be a bat. The size description also lines up. Abby's mom claimed the creature was about 15 inches from wingtip to wingtip. Well, it just so happens that Illinois' largest bat species, the big brown bat, also grows to a very similar wingspan. But the colors are obviously off. What's the big difference here in our description? Missing are the browns and blacks of most native bat species. But what if that bat is a mutation? An albino, so to speak. Is such a thing even possible? A white object dangles from the ceiling of a cave. Its entire body is covered with fluffy white fur. The wings wrapped around the body are so translucent that even the thin veins are visible. The animal is a fully grown 6-centimeter-long horseshoe bat. It's believed to be an albino bat, a mutation caused by albinism or acromia. Horseshoe bats are fairly common in Korea, but a completely white bat such as this one is highly unusual. Now that clip courtesy of KBS News out of Korea. So apparently it is possible. And not only that, but did you catch that little detail in that segment? The fact that the wings were described as being translucent and that the veins in the arteries of the creature could be easily seen. That's eerily similar to the report that Abby's mother made. And it's a telling piece of information, if you ask me. But you know, this is a show about monsters of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And this story does remind me of something that took place 18 years ago this week. A creature was witnessed along the Ohio River in a town called Ashton, West Virginia. That just might make you think differently about the experience that Abby reported. The following information was pulled from the book Monsters of West Virginia by the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley. A friend and I were traveling on Route 2 towards Huntington, West Virginia. I was on my way to set up a booth for an art show and my mind was occupied with the booth setup and show logistics. We had just gone over the railroad tracks outside of Ashton, West Virginia and were on a long, straight stretch of road. There was distant, oncoming traffic and the headlights were on. There were no cars behind us in sight. 
I was in the passenger seat and my friend was driving. I noticed a sudden movement in the sky over the Ohio River to my right, in the front of the car. It was a grayish, smooth, winged shape. The shape swooped in a figure eight in front of the windshield, and then was suddenly gone to the left of us. It didn't fly out of sight, it was just gone. The size bigger than a car. The wingspan was wider than the two-lane road we were on. The wings seemed to stretch wider, somehow, as it did the figure eight swoop. It was never more than 25 feet away from us as it flew toward the windshield. We thought it was going to crash into the windshield. At one point during the swoop, it was only about five feet off the pavement. The color was gray, translucent like a jellyfish. As it banked and swooped, I could see many angles of it, and it somehow looked more translucent as it turned some parts to us. I immediately thought it was like a manta ray. The body was flattish like a manta ray or a bat. The wings were long and smooth and sort of pointed at the tip. I saw no texture or roughness to it, only a smooth surface. Only body and wings, no head, eyes, or tail, or feet. It did not look humanoid in any way. On the other hand, it wasn't a bird either. It moved more like something in the ocean would move. It did not flap the wings like a bird or flutter them like a bat, but stretched them instead. Now there's definitely some shared traits with the original submission. The translucent skin, the missing head and body, the behavior. And I suppose it's worth mentioning that the previous flying manta ray story was encountered in Mason County, West Virginia, the home of the infamous Mothman, the two towns being only about 20 minutes apart. But outside of that, from what I gather... This is a rare but not unheard of phenomena, and it seems that some researchers are referring to this phenomena as atmospheric beasts, and I managed to dig up a little more information courtesy of at endless underscore mythology on TikTok of all places. Atmospheric beasts are weird. There, I said it. According to eyewitness reports, these beings are apparently living creatures, but they break all the usual rules that biologists apply to living organisms. They appear to be able to levitate without any need for wings. Their bodies are even depicted in a semi-solid, often partially invisible state. Some think of them as sky jellyfish, while the most commonly seen type is considered to be a sky serpent, a long dragon-like creature, floating as though they're swimming. In various eyewitness accounts, atmospheric beasts can change their density to becoming smaller, harder masses that are usually metallic in colour, or they can become larger, cloud-like, even to the point of invisibility. In some reports, they may even glow. Now another shape that these purported creatures appear in is the familiar manta ray shape, as reported in the West Virginia encounter. So look, I'm not saying that Abby's mom saw some sort of translucent sky beast, but it certainly sounds like she saw something similar. So check out the photo at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash show notes and decide for yourself. And a big thanks to my wife Sarah for helping me find that atmospheric beast clip. It's not the most well-known cryptid out there, so information was pretty slim. Now if you're looking to do research yourself, here are the many names I've seen given to the phenomena. Sky Jellyfish, Ebony, Gargantuan Gliders, The Horton Horror, Biological UFOs, and of course, as we learned, Atmospheric Beast. Now it's a fun topic to explore, and we will certainly do more of that on a future episode. But for the meantime, thanks again, Abby, for sharing your mother's story. Now folks, if you have a tale to tell, a true tale... Telephone the hotline at one eight 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 six zero eight night. That's one eight 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 six zero eight six four four four. And remember, we still need those paranormal investigator calls in your hometown legends for the season fifteen premiere. That's somehow fast approaching. So again, that's one eight 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 six zero eight N I G H T. Now this next entry tiptoes around a subject that's foreign to the program. Please welcome Kim from Pennsylvania. 
Hi, Derek. My name is Kim. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. This happened in Pennsylvania when I was young, like four or five, at my parents' house. And I have no real explanation for what I'm about to tell you. I was playing hide-and-seek with my brother when I was little, who's a year younger than me. So he would have been three or four at the time. And I hid in this closet in my parents' house. The closet is in their hallway, and it's, it's pretty big. It's like six by nine, and it is packed. They put so much junk in that closet. It's like wall-to-wall hanging coats. There's vacuums in there, Christmas tree boxes and decorations. Like, it's a big closet full of junk. And I had the idea to go crawl back behind literally everything back to nine feet and hid behind a box and between the box and the wall and I sat in there and I waited and I waited and I waited for what seemed like forever I'm like no one's ever gonna find me this is the best spot ever and I have no recollection of how and why and when but I woke up in my bedroom, in my closet, in fetal position, up against the wall, the back wall and the side wall where they meet. I woke up there. I don't know how. It's bizarre to me to this day. No one will admit that they did it. And to be honest, like, no one would sit back there to get me. No one would know I was there. Like, my brother wouldn't have been able to lift me and bring me out of the closet and bring me all the way to my bedroom as a three- or four-year-old. I don't understand it. And my parents wouldn't have done it. They haven't admitted it to me. Like, I know they wouldn't lie about this. Like, they wouldn't have been able to do it without waking me up. And I'm sorry, my parents would not have put me back in a closet. It's I just don't understand to this day. So figured I'd call in and see if anyone else has anything crazy like this happen to them. If you can offer an explanation for what happened, because I'm almost 30 now and I still have absolutely no explanation for this weird tale. But that's all I got for you. Thanks so much for listening. I love the podcast. It's amazing. I've reviewed it already. But have a great day. We're talking teleportation. Thank you, Kim. Look, the only logical thing I can think here is that Kim drifted off to sleep, and while asleep, she sleptwalked back to her bedroom and crawled in her closet. Now, it certainly seems possible. I've heard of things like that happening before, and I've seen similar things happen myself. But aside from that, it almost sounds like something supernatural might be at hand. Now, we appreciate the entry, Kim, and thank you for taking the time to share it. And that doubles for the review that you left. We truly appreciate that as well. Now, everyone, if you would, please follow her lead and go review the show right now, wherever possible. And if you've already done so, much obliged. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention that this story reminds me of some of these videos that we've seen floating around the web lately. Videos recorded by on-location news crews that appears to show people teleporting in the background. Now, I've linked to a handful of examples in the show notes if you want to go take a look. Now, is this a simple illusion, a byproduct of subtle editing? Or, video proof that some sort of teleportation isn't only possible, but it's already happening all around us. Now, getting back on track here. Our next submission is equally as touching as it is terrifying. Eric from North Carolina. Go ahead with your story. Hi, Derek. This is Eric from North Carolina. I was listening to your recent episode and how you said how we lose so many good stories when people pass away. So I wanted to tell you a story that happened to my to my grandmother. She passed away like years ago, but she told me this story before she left and uh, it always stuck with me. This happened like when her husband had just passed away 
And so she was feeling really sad, and she was in her kitchen in the dining room looking out the window, and she looked out in the yard. In the yard, there is this, like, metal swinging chair that my grandfather used to always sit in, and she looked outside, and there was, like, a white blinding light on the chair. And this is really odd because this chair is uh, made of, like, iron, made of metal, so rusty metal. So it's not the kind of chair that would reflect light. And, like, the next thing she she looked again, and the light was gone, and she never saw it again. And she thought that uh, it was her husband coming to say goodbye for the last time. So... That's my story. I really, really love your show. Listen to all of it. It's great. Favorite podcast ever. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Eric. You know, this story checks out. A sign from beyond. Soon after a loved one's departure. Now, there seems to be some sort of window area. A short period of time after one's death that they can come back and reach out to deliver just one last message. Now, it's reported often, and I've experienced it myself, and it sounds like Eric's grandmother did as well. We thank him for preserving that account. Now, if you're looking for unique, meaningful gifts to impress everyone on your holiday shopping list this year, check out Uncommon Goods. Whether you're shopping for your spouse or coworker, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone, especially those hard-to-buy-for people who seem to have everything. Now, I think the best gifts are the things that the recipient would enjoy and appreciate, but would never think to buy for themselves. This site has plenty of those, from personalized kids' nightlights to keep the monsters away, to a set of pumpkin tea lights for a friend who believes every day is Halloween. There's even a spooky horror movie cookbook, will make your next dinner at home deliciously macabre. And with every purchase made at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've already donated over $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com forward slash monsters among us. That's uncommongoods.com forward slash monsters among us for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods. We're out of the ordinary. Now, do you know what's worse than seeing a shadow person? Seeing one when you're a four-year-old child. Please welcome Stephanie from North Carolina to the program. Hi, Derek. This is Stephanie from Fayetteville, North Carolina. My story was uh, when I was four years old, and to give you how long ago that was, I am fixing to turn 50, but I remember it in complete detail. It was so real, so vivid to me. So I was four years old, and I grew up in a very, very small town in the woods up in Maine. I was there until I was 21 years old, so we grew up from... About 20 minutes or so from the nearest town that had even just a grocery store. So that's kind of telling you what kind of uh, town this was. So the house that we're living in at the time that I was four, it was such an old house that you could, in the wintertime, you could actually feel the, the cold air and the snow come across your face through the window at night that's how old this house was i mean when we moved out my my parents actually had it torn down and the fire department came and burned it down uh the rest of the way so anyway i was four years old i have two sisters and two brothers and i shared a room on the i want to say maybe like the north eastern side of the house and the street was just outside of our window, and our driveway was out there as well. So there was a street light that shined through that window. The room itself is an upstairs. So when you came in to our room, you came in from this very large open area 
and the door was between my sister's bed, which was would be on your right, and then my bed, which would be on my left, and then my other sister was on the other side of me. Well, on the other side of her, between the window and her bed, was maybe like a six-by-six six opening that goes down a couple of steps, and it's kind of like an attic space would be. You know, just a small space, small enough to where they could shove some boxes or whatever, store some stuff in that area up underneath our floor, but in between the ceiling from the downstairs. So this night, we all went to bed, and normally if I get scared, I get out of my bed and go to my sister's bed that is on the other side of the door. For some reason this night, I did not do that, but I laid in my bed, both of my sisters asleep. I know they're both asleep, and I'm looking out towards the window, just watching the snow fall, trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, I see a dark figure, a shadow, what you, if you will. I'm, I really don't know what it was. Honestly, I mean, I'm four years old. I have no idea what this is. It's just so real and so vivid that it was solid-ish, I guess, because, like, you couldn't see through it in, like, the center, but you could kind of see through the edges. Like, it kind of faded out the larger it got. And it acted as though it was coming up those stairs and came around the bottom of my sister's bed. And this whole time I can see it, I never see any features or anything. It's just in the shape of a being. I didn't really see any appendages or facial features. It didn't walk, it flowed like, you know, like it was on wheels or something. It just kind of glided through. It was probably the size of a grown man when it came up to the actual level that our beds were on. And this being, this black mass, this shadow person, whatever you will, it started to come through our bedroom at the bottoms of our beds, at the foot of our beds. And I could still see it. And like I was saying, I couldn't see any kind of appendages or facial features or anything so I wasn't sure what it was, but it was very scary. I was four years old. So I spoke to my sister on my left, and I said, Kathy, are you awake? And she didn't respond. So I said the same thing to my other sister, Sherry, are you awake? No response. Well, okay, usually I go to my sister's bed on my right, which is on the other side of the door. But this time, for some reason, I got out of my bed on my left, which would have had to make me get to the foot of my bed to get to my other sister's bed. So I don't know why I did it that night, but I did. And I walked to the foot of the bed and I got around the end of my bed. Whatever this was grabbed me and held on to me. And I screamed bloody murder. Like, I mean, I'm four years old, so you can only imagine what kind of scream I had. And my mom came running into the room. And when she snapped the light on, nothing was there. Nothing was holding on to me. Nothing. Now, okay. I'm going to say, I don't know if this was a dream that I had that was just so vivid. My mother claims that she doesn't remember doing any of this. So this was what makes me feel like it was a dream. But then again, my mom, she was kind of sensitive. And I don't know if she really wanted to accept that she was sensitive because she would always question herself. But anyway, as a child, that was my very, very first memory. And it was just so scary that it's, it's, it's never, this memory has always been very vivid and very detailed in my mind. So 
that again makes me think that it was real and it, something really was there. I don't remember what reactions my sisters had. I mean, I, the little bit of memory I do have of it, it seems like when the light came on and I started screaming, when I noticed them, they were just kind of sitting up in their bed wondering what was going on. So they didn't see any of it. But again, my it was gone. As soon as the light came on, boom, just in a snap, it was gone. Um, it let go of me. Nothing was holding me. I was at the foot of my bed crying and when my mom came in. So, yeah, that's my story of a creepy old condemned house that we shouldn't really have been living in when I was four years old. Like I said, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was some sort of demon or ghost or shadow man or, you know, I, I have no idea. I really have no idea. And I've never been able to explain what it was. But anyway, that's it. That's my scary story. You know what? Never mind. Having one grab you is much, much worse. Good Lord, Stephanie. Now, this might be the first and only shadow entity account that I can think of that claimed that one of these things attacked a person. And I think it's safe to say that that's exactly what took place here. If what Stephanie told us is to be believed at all. But what a game changer. Up until now, I'd always had the assumption that whatever these things are, they cannot physically interact with our plane of existence. Come to find out that... Not only is that wrong, but that these things could potentially be dangerous. So happy holidays, everyone. Good luck getting to sleep this evening. And thanks, Stephanie, for sharing the nightmares. You know, the entire time I was listening to the back half of Stephanie's call, I couldn't shake a thought. What would it feel like to have a shadow entity touch you? Would it be cold, prickly? like a static charge inquiring minds want to know and speaking of inquiring minds it seems like Sam in Washington State wants some answers as well welcome aboard Sam hey Derek my name is Sam and I'm calling from Washington State um, I wanted to tell you about a possible UFO sighting my brother and I had when we were kids um, it takes place in a little town called Moses Lake. I was around 10 and he was 12, so it would have been around 2007-ish. For a long time, I've kind of chalked the story up to be something we just blew out of proportion because we were little. But this summer, I went camping with my brother and asked if he remembered. And not only did he remember, but when I asked him to retell the story, it, it fit my memory perfectly. So I thought it was worth calling in and, uh, and sharing it. Okay, so it was summer and me and him were sleeping out on a trampoline in the backyard. And we see up in the distant sky a series of lights that look like they're in an arrangement of a, um, like a question mark, but without the dot. So just sort of like a weird, weird looking cane. I don't really remember how big it was because it was super high up, but it could have been easily much bigger than a building even, but we couldn't exactly tell. But we were staring at it for a while and basically like we knew it was more than just lights because they look like when you see the lights of an airplane going by. Like, we couldn't see an actual craft, but we knew the lights were at the end of one. We could tell there was a solid structure there. Um, so we watched this craft hover slowly over our neighborhood until it was directly above our heads, and then it just kept on going, just slowly past us. And into the distance, we just kept watching it go. So after that, me and him, uh, my brother and I, we just packed up our sleeping bags and went inside. We were like, we're done. <laughs> and obviously, it could be any number of things, but the fact that he remembers it the same way means that, at the very least, it actually happened. But I mainly wanted to call because I've never heard of any other UFO sightings that look like that, like the question mark shape. And since you've done more research than me, I was hoping you might be able to pair it with a similar story. Or maybe it's a fluke, I don't know. Um, it's also important to know at the time, the Grant County International Airport, I believe, had the largest commercial runway in the world. Um, I think it's been beat now, and obviously on military sites and Area 51 and whatnot, there are uh, longer ones. Um, but it's, it was a common thing for military crafts, or still is, um, to come into the little town for tests because the runway can accept like literally any aircraft in the world. So I have to imagine that plays into it somehow. I also wanted to ask you your take on the whole alien thing as you 
play sightings of them all the time, um, especially with the Pentagon confirming the existence of UFOs this year. I'd love to know what you think um, of what these sightings might be, especially throwing around ideas of like electrogravitics and whatnot. I like a lot of people think that that's the future. And once our sort of spiritual growth lines up with our technological advancement, it's just inevitable. It's, it's what's going to happen. There's also the idea that, you know, of course, the missing link between humans and apes was given to us by all these alien abductions that people so commonly share on this podcast. I have a buddy who has like a really gnarly abduction story. So maybe I can get him to share it with you sometime. Anyway, personally, I'm not like a huge subscriber of either of those ideas yet, but I figured this is my chance to pick your brain about it. Anyway, thanks, Derek. Love the podcast. Take care, man. Bye. Thank you, Sam. I imagine one of the world's longest runways would invite all sorts of strange craft to that area. And as we will learn a little later on in the broadcast, maybe something else as well. Now, as for my thoughts on the phenomena, Sam... They waver from day to day, but the more I hear from witnesses and the more I learn, the more I'm apt to believe that these quote-unquote aliens aren't from far-off galaxies, but rather from far-off times. I'm more and more of the opinion that these visitors are more likely from our future rather than from far-off universes. Well, that's just my two cents, since Sam went ahead and asked for it. And thank you again for the entry, Sam. Now, I think I have time to shoehorn one more call in here before the ad break. And thank you guys for supporting our advertisers, by the way. It's through them that you'll continue to hear the show grow and improve. Now, at any rate, please join me in welcoming Dylan from the Sooner State of Oklahoma. Hey, Derek. Um, this is Dylan from Oklahoma. I'm calling you about a story that is is pretty current. So, two days ago, I investigated a, a ghost town here in Oklahoma called uh, Cooperton. It's out uh, west near the Wichita Mountains. Now, to preface, I was there investigating the Fae because I know from conversations I've had with folklorists that the Fae like ruins and abandoned buildings and stuff like that. So ghost town, that's why I was there. As soon as I got there, I really didn't feel welcome. I've been on a lot of investigations and this was the first time I ever felt really uneasy going to someplace. And mind you, this was in broad daylight. I walked around a while, asked questions at a ghost box running and all that. And as I was preparing to leave, you know, I asked, well, okay, if you guys want to, make yourselves known or say something to me before I leave, you know, feel free to do so. I'm sitting there for a few minutes and then I decide to go pull out and head back to Norman when, as I was doing that, I saw this blacker than black anomalous shadow pass over the back of my rear window. I didn't expect this at all. I jumped and I froze for a bit, not really processing what I saw. Eventually, I, I tried putting my gear away as fast as I could, but it was taking too long. And I uh, instead just started driving for a bit with my GoPro in my left hand and then pulled over on the side of the highway in order to put my gear away. Uh, since that happened... And mind you, that was two days ago. I don't know if I mentioned that, but since that happened, like every time I think about it, it, uh, it makes me feel a little sick. It makes me like really just feel slightly off. And then uh, today I get news that my uh, grandmother passed away over in New Jersey. And, you know, I, I don't know too much about anomalous shadows like this. I've heard about shadow people, but this thing didn't have form to it. But, you know, I, I, maybe I'm looking for a way of rationalizing well, my grandmother's passing or whatever, but I can't help but wonder if maybe this was an omen of a death of some kind because the way that memory has made me feel since then, I, I don't know. Honestly, I've been trying to I've been trying to identify if there's a way I could have mistaken it, 
I tried recreating the scene in my car, looking over my shoulder. Maybe it was my hair got in the way. I have longer hair. Or maybe I saw the corner of my glasses frames, but none of them really matched what I saw. I see it clearly in my head, this just darker than dark shadow that you can't see through, just passing over the back window of the car. And then again, two days later, my grandma passes away suddenly in an accident. Take from it what you will, but, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the podcast and I hope you can use this on the show. Thank you, Dylan. You know, this is one of those calls that could be absolutely nothing. The shadow of a passing plane or one of Oklahoma's 24 birds of prey soaring overhead and the family loss nothing but an unfortunate coincidence that said we are sorry for your loss Dylan you know it could just be all that or if you allow legend to take hold and your imagination to run wild I can think of one cryptid that just might check enough boxes to at least be considered Thunderbirds But where could this giant bird come from? According to witnesses, the creature could be millions of years old. Some of the reports describe something as very large, but with leathery skin that look like a giant bat. And then other witnesses that come forward who have seen some of these huge flying creatures at pretty close range, and reluctantly they tell me that they look like something that was prehistoric. We may be dealing with maybe a a pterodon or a pterosaur, uh, an extinct you know, possible flying creature. We don't know. And this is one of those mysteries with so many of these strange creature reports, whether we're dealing with Thunderbirds or Bigfoot, or we get Black Panther sightings in the area, other types of strange tree- creatures. And it's not only in Pennsylvania, but the question always comes up, where do they come from and where do they go? Really uh, startling to see something that large. But I also heard that they're... Uh, Harbingers of Doom. So, Big Shadow, Harbingers of Doom. And, as Stan Gordon mentioned in that clip from the TV program Boogeyman, the Thunderbird phenomenon has been reported all over, including in Oklahoma. So there you have two opposite sides of the coin. A benign, boring, logical explanation. Or something a little more fanciful and terrifying. You choose your adventure. And thank you again, Dylan, for sharing the call. Now, the world can be a very stressful place. And while the holiday season is generally full of joy, this time of year can also bring a lot of extra stress and tension. One way I combat anxiety and insomnia year-round is through microdosing. If you poke around online, you'll find that all sorts of people are microdosing to manage pain, get more sleep, lower anxiety, and improve their overall mood. Now, before you tense up over three little letters, let me just say that microdose gummies by tonight's sponsor, Lumi Labs, are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies do contain cannabinoids, they're not designed to get you quote-unquote high in that Cheech and Chong sense. Instead, I'm talking about entry-level doses of THC and CBD that can help you wind down at the end of a long, challenging day, manage anxiety, and sleep like a baby. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code Monsters Among Us. As always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that spooky stuff. Now, folks, I don't mind telling you that the back half of tonight's selection is pretty wild. But don't take my word for it. Take Jennifer's from the state of Ohio. Hi, my name is Jennifer. I'm calling from Ohio, and this actually took place probably early 2000s. I know it was after 2001 for sure because I did not live in that house until after 2001. So it kind of involves actually me and my son, who was a lot younger at the time, grade school most likely. And 
It probably happened a Sunday evening because on Sunday evenings in the summer, my son, he'd usually get into bed with my husband and I because he kind of missed his older brother who used to go and stay with his father during the week. So that was basically the reason I know that it would have been a Sunday. So we happened to be watching TV and my son and I just kind of all of a sudden we just both saw the same thing kind of at the same time. And we just kind of looked at each other and I kind of shrugged it off because he was younger and I didn't want to freak him out. And I'm like, that was weird. It must have been a car or something like shining through, making a shadow or whatever from the windows, even though there's really no windows in that hallway. But the funny thing is, is even my dog kind of was like, she was sitting on the bed and she kind of like jumped up and was like looking out that way. My husband didn't see anything. I'm not quite sure why, but not too, too long ago, probably like maybe two or three years ago, my son and I, who is older, he's moved out of the house. He's probably in his 20s at that point. We were kind of talking about, you know, hey, do you remember when we saw whatever it was we saw when we were watching TV? And he's like, yeah, I do remember that. And he said it was a little, and I just kind of, just as he said it was a little, I said, a prairie girl. And he just kind of looked at me and he goes, exactly, pigtails. I said, and overalls. And he said, yes, it was like, uh, you know, a little house on the prairie type person. So, you know, we never really talked about it until that point in time. And our house isn't even old. It, it was probably built in the 70s. You know, if there's no history to it, I don't think we're built on any kind of weird cemetery or anything. So it was just very odd that him and I have this same memory and never, ever spoke about it. And we both saw a little prairie girl. So I don't know if Laura Ingalls is haunting my house. I have not seen her since. And I don't think my son has seen her since either. So for what it's worth, thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. And that just goes to show you that if you shared a strange experience with someone, it pays to discuss the topic, even if it's years later. Now, real quick, folks, time is running out to get your order in in time before the holidays. Visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop to pick up a hat, tote, poster, patch, sticker pack, and a whole lot more. Again, that's monstersamonguspodcast.com and click the shop tab. And that fellow human people brings us to our finale. And this is one of those calls that didn't seem all that significant at first. That is until you peek beneath the surface. Please welcome another anonymous caller. This time from the state of Washington. Hey, I have called a couple times before and never for something like this because I wasn't sure how I felt about <laughs> about the whole alien thing. But last night, which was April 11th, 2021, I'm in Washington State. Uh, I'm not going to leave my name, but I was sitting in a chair that I had carved out of a maple stump along my swamp, which I do pretty much every night. It's kind of my safe place. And I was looking at the stars, and I noticed that one of them appeared to be orange rather than like the sparkly blue or white or whatever, you know, normal stars. This was clearly orange and I was confused. So I stared at it for a while and I saw it moving just a little bit. So I was like, okay, shooting star, weird color. It's that time of year, I guess. And I sat and stared at this orange star, watched it flicker and just kind of move around a little bit at a time and staying somewhat in the same spot, but just barely kind of fluttering. And I stared at it for even longer, thinking, you know, maybe it's a drone or something. So I stared at it for long enough that I walked back to the house to get my fiancé to have him take a look. Even though he's colorblind, I knew he wasn't going to be able to tell that they were a different color than normal cars. And as I'm walking back, I get to my driveway where there's a little bit more of an open view, and I realize that there's not just one star there's at least three of them and they're in a perfect triangle and I'm like oh my gosh what am I seeing so I went and grabbed him and had him take a look to see if he could at least see the perfect triangle formation 
and the flickering and whatever because I know he can't see the color. So he, he said he did, and I had him stand here and stare at them for a while with me just to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I have never seen anything that I thought would constitute an alien. The longer I stared at the sky, the more I realized that there were more than three and that they were all evenly spaced apart from each other, not all in perfect triangles, but evenly spaced apart from the three that I was looking at. They were all moving just a little bit, but the first one I had initially saw was moving more than the others. And the longer I watched it every once in a while about, you know, just a little distance around it, I would see this bright flash of white or like a... I mean, I, uh, this sounds insane. The only way I can explain it is a laser. It looked like a laser. It looked like there was some alien battle going on in the sky above my house. And I watched for an hour as this same light bounced around. I texted my friend who lives down the road and asked her to go outside to see if she could see it too. And she was like, oh my God, I see it too. What the hell is that? We're just freaking out. And I just, I couldn't stop staring at it. And, and then I called my dad to ask him about it because he totally believes in all of that and he said well can you see any of the stars through the triangle and I was like no I didn't even think of that because I don't I don't ah it's just so weird I'm still so shaken up it gives me chills thinking about it but I couldn't see any stars through the center of it and I watched airplanes fly through it I could see them but I couldn't see any of the stars through the center of that triangle I watched probably six or seven of those bright flashes around one of the orange flashing stars but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else it could be. I'm sure other people have seen it. I feel like I've heard it on their podcast before, but it was just absolutely insane. And I, I don't know what else it could have been. To be completely honest, I'm standing in the driveway right now and I feel like I see that same. I can't see the top point of the triangle because of the clouds, but I see the, I see the lights. I see them right now. So I don't know if there's some perfect triangular pattern of <laughs> orange flickering stars that is over the night sky in Washington State to the, I don't know, southwest. I I, I don't know. I, I've never <laughs> learned of that before, but I am watching them uh, as we speak. So either, you know, I've got some weird alien activity going on above me or uh, there's some star-related astrological event that I couldn't find thorough information for on the internet but this is clearly visibly it, it, it they're right in front of me again so yeah let me know what you think I will be listening to hear if this is a call that you use again love the show you're doing amazing things and connecting people in the best weirdest way possible all right thanks Derek have a good one bye well, that's actually really good advice from your father. Does it blot out the night sky? That's the perfect way to determine if it's three points of light, or if all three points are eerily connected. Now, before we go much further, I have a little update from our caller submitted the day after her original submission. Hey, Derek. I called yesterday, actually. I'm calling from the... Northwest, specifically Washington, about the orange triangular shape of light I saw in the sky. It is night three, and none of the orange light stars, whatever they are, are visible tonight. And all of the stars in the sky are showing. They're not blocked <laughs> by whatever it was the last couple nights. So two nights in a row, I saw the same perfect triangular shape, orange flickering and hovering lights. And night three, they are not there. They're gone. I'm not sure what that means, but just thought I would give you a little quick update. No more orange lights on night three. So I don't think that a alien spaceship would hover over my house for two days, but I'm not really sure what else to think of what happened. But anyways, just wanted to give you that update. Keep on, keep it on. Bye. So there you go. If it's gone, that's another good sign of it being something mobile. Which I suppose is stating the obvious. So now we're under the assumption that this is some sort of massive 
triangular craft, and I did a little research on it. And as it turns out, like our caller now, Sam earlier alluded to, Washington State is a virtual UFO highway. And 2021, the year of our caller's experience, was a big year for unidentified aerial anomalies, especially of the triangular variety. Now, the following reports were all submitted from the state of Washington in the year 2021, courtesy of the National UFO Reporting Center. February 28th, Kennewick, Washington, huge black triangle with lights on the corner seen over house. April 2nd, Lakewood, Washington, triangular craft seen with a larger green object. April 13th, Bellevue, Washington, a pulsating triangle-shaped craft was reported. April 27th, Everett, Washington, a formation of delta-shaped craft made of twinkling lights was reported. May 20th, Richmond, Washington, triangular craft seen in formation. June 20th, Frenchman Coulet Gorge, Washington, glowing objects were witnessed in the daytime, only for them to form triangle shapes. July 11th, Salton, Washington, witness saw a faded triangular craft fly from the west to the east at a high rate of speed. July 21st, Napa Vine, Washington. White sparkling lights were seen in the sky that seemed to form a triangle shape. August 4th, Port Townsend, Washington. A holographic grid of light was reported shortly after a triangle sighting that lasted hours. September 23rd, Winnetachi, Washington. A triangular craft was witnessed by two people as it floated silently from south to north. And finally, on November 20th, Tacoma, Washington. Witnesses reported a craft that began as seven points of light on the horizon. It moved up and formed a triangle, then disappeared. Now, I'm not sure if you picked up on the subtle details there, but a few of those mentioned additional lights, or in some cases, lasers, just like our caller did. And all this makes it obvious to me that there is something strange in the skies over the Evergreen State. Whether it's from a foreign adversary our own government, or extraterrestrials, is yet to be determined. But of all places, Washington has begun to stand out as one of the nation's biggest hotspots. And I suppose it makes perfect sense. The first contemporary UFO sighting came from the state, when just a week before Roswell, a pilot named Kenneth Arnold spotted nine shiny, unidentified craft over Washington's Mount Rainier. He claimed that the craft resembled saucers, eventually leading to the creation of the term flying saucer. But Washington's UFO lore doesn't stop there, nor does it begin there. Three days before Kenneth Arnold's sighting, and 75 years ago this year, an incident occurred that changed UFO lore forever. Washington's Maury Island Incident. It's June 21, 1947, when Tacoma resident Harold Dahl and his son Charles and the family dog Sparky picked up two crewmen on the docks in Tacoma and they headed out towards Maury Island on Harold's boat, the North Queen. Harold sees six huge flying disks in the sky, a hundred feet across, hollow, shaped like donuts. One of them seems to be failing it's lower than the others. There's an explosion and all kinds of debris. It's molten like, like lava. The dog Sparky is hit and killed. The North Queen is damaged. Some slag burns Charles on his arm. They're so frightened that they run the boat aground on the nearest land and they hide from the raining fire beneath some cliffs until the saucers go away. But the very next day, a man in black confronts Harold. The man in black told Harold that he knew what Harold had seen the day before in the water, and the man in black warned Harold not to tell anyone, or bad things might happen. That clip courtesy of Seattle Southside Scenes on YouTube. And not only is this malfunctioning and deadly saucer a pivotal part of ufology, it's also the very first report of an entity that will later go on the call. The Men in Black. So I don't know, caller. 
it's quite possible you saw something that you shouldn't have. You'd certainly be in good company. Whatever it was, we truly thank you for sharing it here with us. Oh, and just to be safe, you might want to keep your eyes open for funny-looking men in black suits. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Be sure to follow us on social media. And while you're at it, jump on over to YouTube and give us a like and follow there as well. I know I mentioned that earlier, but if you could leave us a rate and review, it would mean the world to us. Now finally, the score from tonight's episode was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. You stay spooky out there, and I'll catch you back here next week. Have a good night. Now, these secret entry slots are typically reserved for the most oddball of calls. The weird ones. The calls that make you question your very existence. And tonight's is sure to make you question what might be sharing your wilderness as well. Please welcome Chris from Canada to the program. Hello, Mr. Hayes. This is Chris calling from Ontario, Canada. I had a sighting of what I guess you would call a cryptid creature when I was somewhere in the age range of five to seven years old, which would put the date somewhere in the 1990 to 1992 range. So I was out on a hike with my grandmother and my mother at a local conservation area, like a forest, and we were down in the woods there having a walk around looking at things. And... I kind of lagged back a bit for my grandmother and my mom just walking along, taking in the sights in the bush. And I came across a tree stump, like something, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three foot high cut off tree with the top cut level. And on top of this tree stump, there was a centipede, not like any centipede I've ever seen before. Very large, I'm going to say about four to five inch long centipede. And it was bright purple and bright red. It almost looked as if it had been painted by hand, although I looked at this thing very close. It was not painted. Like the individual legs and pieces of its body and thorax were perfectly colored, bright purple and bright red. I told my mom and my grandmother, neither one of them believed me, of course, and just was always left wondering what the heck centipede thing was that I saw. So when I got older, I kind of thought of it again, and I thought it must be some sort of native species that I'd never seen again or ever heard of. So I actually Googled purple and red centipede. Then although there were a few that came up in the Google search results, nothing even came close to what this thing looked like. And like I said, I've never seen anything like this again. I've never heard of anybody seeing anything like this. It was almost as if it was some sort of tropical insect that was completely out of place in southern Ontario and Canada. But just wondered if anybody else had ever come across any sort of cryptid insect before. If so, I'd love to hear it. If anybody's seen this purple and red thing that I saw, I'd love to hear that. (laughs) I know what I saw. My mom and my grandmother didn't believe me, but that was it. A purple and red centipede. Thank you.
Thank you, Chris. Now, you know, here's my train of thought here. I'm sure there are all sorts of insects, arachnids, and other anthropods that are living feet from me that I've never seen before. I swear, a new moth species shows up every summer and blows my mind. So we should start off by proposing that it's possible that it's something that belongs there. Just something Chris didn't know about. And he may not find it even online if he's searching for centipede instead of millipede or symphala. I believe there's a purple and red species of millipede out there that lives somewhere back east. Maybe it's that easy. Or, since this was found in a park, is it possible that someone dumped an unwanted exotic bat, leaving it on a stump in hopes for a better life? And it just so happens that Chris was the next chap to wander by. Or, of course, like Chris hinted at, this is something brand new and unknown to science. So this is where I turn to you, dear listener. You solved the swallowtail caterpillar mystery a while back. So surely someone out there can tell us what Chris saw. Until we hear from them, though. Thank you, Chris. And we'll be waiting with bated breath. Now then, folks, the wait is over. For those of you wishing to venture over to the beyond. Because the time has come for us to take that little journey. Now, if you do not have access to this bonus after-show content, I have a simple, helpful, and affordable solution. Visit patreon.com, search for Monsters Among Us podcast, join the $5 monthly pledge, and wham, instant access to this session, plus 60 or 70 more, all for just $5 a month. Cancel at any time. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast or search Monsters Among Us Podcast on Patreon. Now, to open things up this evening, we begin in Massachusetts, where Joanne is waiting with her entry. Hi, Derek. This is Joanne. I hope I'm not double-dipping. I did submit this a couple years ago to a different podcast, but that was really more about sharing spooky stories and not getting answers. And so I still don't know what this was, and I would really, really love your On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to Counterclock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.